Pastel de nata. Churros. Brigadeiro. Calzone. Apple pie. 水煮肉片. Bangers and mash. Toad in the hole. Paella. Welcome everyone, my name is David Guimarães Martins, or David Guimarães Martins, try to say that three times in a row, and I'm the executive chef for the European Union Embassy in Washington, D.C., and I'm so excited for the release of this episode from my podcast, Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. Now, you might ask me, why such an awesome name? Well, I'm originally from Portugal, and I've been living in the United States for the last nine years, and the name of the podcast refers to two Portuguese phrases. Turning chickens means someone that has a lot of experience, and breaking dishes means someone that has exceeded all expectations. I'll be asking my guests if they've been turning more chickens or breaking more dishes, so next time you interview someone, keep that question in mind. Every episode I'll have a guest and we'll talk about everything related to food, not necessarily ingredients or dishes, but how through food we can help communities, how can we evolve as people, the success of small business owners, the fascinating stories that we remember growing up with our family sitting around a table, and even which ingredients are overrated and underrated, and much more. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast on all the platforms that you have access to. Follow me on Instagram at Turning Chickens Breaking Dishes, and follow the Facebook page Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. I hope you have an amazing time listening to every episode, and don't forget I'm Portuguese, so if something doesn't sound exactly right, just move on because life is too short. My guest today discovered her love of plants in graduate school. While living overseas, she started experimenting with urban gardening. In December 2014, after seven years of working as a foreign service officer, she founded a pioneering urban farm business in her dream come true, Little Wild Thing City Farm in Washington, D.C., where she grows microgreens, shoots, and edible flowers, and currently serves dozens of restaurants, caterers, bars, and hotels including this embassy chef, and most importantly, she loves CrossFit. Mary Ackley, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. <laughs> Two important questions before we get to any of this. Have you ever been to Portugal? Oh, I have not. Great. And it's terrible because I have traveled to so many countries with my foreign have... service career. So I have traveled all over Europe, but Portugal is on my list. I have several friends who went recently and are highly recommended. So. Okay. Have you been to Spain? I have been many times to Spain. I actually, oh, many times. Um, Thank you, Mary. I hiked the Camino de Santiago <laughs> at one point. Okay. It's okay. Do you know any Portuguese words? No, unfortunately. That's the common answer with everybody, so it's fine. <laughs> what is urban farming and what drew you to it? Well, so urban farming is just, you know, farming in urban landscapes, farming in cities. It's as simple as that, and it can take many different forms. It can look like more traditional farming, or it can look more high-tech. People have heard of hydroponics and vertical farming. So I think people are trying all sorts of different ways to grow food in cities, to feed people in cities. And I really was not initially drawn to urban farming. It just so happened that I lived in a city and I wanted to farm. And so that's really how that happened. I didn't ever really dream of or intend to farm in an urban environment, but it was just where I was. And so I had tried to actually get like an apprenticeship on a really well-known farm, um, a rural farm, and uh, didn't get it. So I decided, well, I have to start something closer to home, something of my own. And that's kind of how it happened for me. And so the idea from that and then for you to start your own business, how was the process? Well, it was always to start my own business. I mean, I, well, 
you know, if I was going to start my own farm, I was always thinking of it from a business perspective. And yeah, I mean, I was attracted to the idea of farming as business. And really the, the thing that interested me so much was that the most sustainable or environmentally friendly way to farming, uh, way to farm is actually the most productive way to farm. It produces the most food and the best quality food. And so in theory, then it would also be the most profitable way to farm. But, you know, that to some people might sound controversial or might sound like maybe that doesn't sound right. We have to do these big industrial agriculture for it to be profitable and efficient. But it's really not true because the most efficient way to farm is to work with nature and to. And I mean, there's studies on this that organic agriculture is the most productive type of agriculture. So that was really what interested me in that concept. And I wanted to see if I could make that come true. How do you make sure that urban farming remains sustainable? Well, I mean, that's a <laughs> good question. But with rural farming, I mean, I don't see that there's anything different. For us, sustainability is really, it's just integrated into the business principles that we work on. So it's not like they're separate. Because for us, the most efficient way to farm is also the most sustainable. It's just as simple as that. So for example, we try to manage our soil in a way that makes it healthy and as productive as, as possible by doing minimal tilling and absolutely no addition of like chemical fertilizers or pesticides or anything like that. And so that makes the soil healthier, which makes it more productive. And so that also makes us more successful from a business standpoint. So all of those things. And I guess if you're thinking about an urban environment in particular, there are a couple of things that we do. We work with a local company that collects our used soil from the microgreens and composts it in a large commercial composting facility. So I read a study that says 800 million people around the globe grow their own fruits or vegetables or raise animals in cities. That basically it's 15 to 20% of the world's food production. Why do you think more and more people are drawn to urban farming? I think people are always wanting to be connected to nature. You know, most people have that inherent desire to be connected to, you know, nature and the earth, really. So I think whether you live in a city or anywhere, people are always seeking opportunities to go be outside and be connected to nature. So I think gardening or urban farming would be one way to do that. We've also seen with COVID-19 people doing a lot of gardening, really just realizing how many challenges we have with our food system and how it isn't as resilient as we thought. And so people wanting to grow food to eat and also to grow healthy food, to know where your food comes from, to know that it's not produced with all kinds of nasty chemicals and or that the rights of agricultural workers are not being violated and all of those things. Like when you grow your own food, you just know where it comes from. You know, it's healthy. You know, it's as fresh as possible and all of those. Which is probably financially at the beginning or try to adapt as fast as possible how to make profit out of this, right? Did COVID-19, put it this way, show you something positive that you didn't expect? Well, yes. I mean, so for us, we've had really a dramatic change in our whole business model. So pre-COVID, we were about, you know, like 85 or 90% wholesale to restaurants. So business to business, we're selling to restaurants, bars, hotels, caterers, embassies, et cetera. And most of that business pretty much disappeared overnight when COVID hit. And we almost went out of business. I mean, because, you know, we're operating in the city. We have very high operational costs compared to other farms. Like we have, we're paying, we have a, we're at a commercial lease here in Northeast DC. So we have pretty high expenses and we can't last a whole long while without making sales. 
So we pivoted our, our business model almost completely. And just by the support of our community, um, thank goodness, and just really hard work and persistence. We're now, we've now built this um, large scale salad share program. It's like a salad subscription program, home delivery of fresh salad greens all over the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. And now it's just become this awesome new program. And it's really our primary business now. And we really love it. It opened up this whole world of customers that haven't that have been wanting to try our greens, but really there was no way for them to buy it. We were selling at farmers markets, but that really only reaches a small number of people. So once we started offering home delivery, we realized there were a ton of people that wanted to eat our greens, but they just needed the convenience of them being delivered to their home because they just weren't close enough to the farm to come make a separate trip here. So for us, it's been extremely positive. Now, looking back, of course, it was very difficult to bake this ship. I mean, we had to pivot our whole business model and there's been a lot of uncertainty, but now we're going into the third round and it's still growing. We just launched sales today for the third round and most of our customers are returning and continuing to buy and we're building it every year or every season. So it's really exciting. And again, just to know that I remember the first week or two after it happened, I was standing in here and I'd lost almost all my business. And I was just thinking, what am I going to do? Am I going to have to shut the lights off in here, you know, so to speak? But then I really, it really occurred to me that I have the ability to produce so much nutritious food here. And at that time it was, I mean, it's still very serious now, but at that time it was looking very serious. Like maybe people aren't going to be able to get enough food and access to the foods that they want. And so that really motivated me to try to come up with a solution to make things work because I just realized here I am in the middle of the city and I can really produce tens of thousands of pounds of nutritious produce for people who really need it. So that was really eye-opening for me, even though I know the value of urban agriculture having worked in it, it still really was eye-opening to think just how important this could be because we hadn't faced a crisis like that before. So it really took that for me to realize this is not a joke about the resilience of the local food system. So moving forward, you think, because basically you went from a wholesale to restaurants to more to regular people, right? Yeah. Do you think that's the focus, the shift a little bit for the future when things go back to normal, whenever that will be? Well, I mean, I hope we can find a balance. I, I really hope and pray for our restaurant partners that they'll be able to survive because they supported us for so long. I mean, they're our friends and neighbors. Most of my customers, I mean, as I know you, I know many of our restaurants and their small restaurants, local restaurants, you know, also supporting their families and things. And I know people want to get back to the restaurants, but it's challenging right now. So I do think it's going to take a long time for things to return to normal, so to speak, if that ever happens. But I do know that many of our customers are innovating and coming up with awesome new ways to do things. And so we're still working with some of our some of our businesses, which are finding success in the new normal. So I hope there'll be a balance, but I really hope that the salad share program will continue. And we see all signs of that happening. I mean, people, now it is getting easier to go to grocery stores, but people are still definitely signing up. So we're excited about that because we weren't sure after the first time we thought maybe people were just doing it to kind of help keep us afloat, you know, but now we realize, no, they, they really want the product. They really want the service. How a business like yours and urban farming in general shielded from the unpredictability of like global warming and other environmental factors? You know, I don't think we're really shielded. I think we're vulnerable like everyone else. I think being aware and planning for changes like that can help. We have an indoor operation and an outdoor operation, which makes us a little bit more resilient only because we have 
two different ways we can grow. If one area is affected, we have another area to fall back on. But we, you know, we, we try to be as environmentally conscious as possible. All of our microgreens grown indoors are grown with a very, very low power LED lights and for the most part, automatic irrigation. So it's like very low water use, but that's still the same. I mean, we need a lot of, we need electricity for conditioning the space. So keeping it cool in the summer and all of that. So while we try to be as deficient as possible, we're just as dependent as anybody on electricity and all of the things. So Someone that you know sent me actually a question so I can ask you. And that person would love to know what's your favorite guilty pleasure packaged food? Oh, that is a good question. I don't know about packaged, but just like guilty pleasure food in general is definitely pizza <laughs> and pepperoni pizza. Everybody always thinks I'm a vegan or something because I have a vegetable farm, but I'm absolutely not. I am definitely a protein eating meat, meat eater. So. <laughs> What was your first memory of taste? Wow, that's a really good question. What's popping in my mind is actually seasonal stuff. Like I just remember, I'm thinking like when I think of summer, I think of something. When I think of winter, I think of something else. And I don't know if that's just because I'm a farmer. But so I have Polish heritage. My mom is Polish American. And so we ate a lot of Polish food growing up. So I have a lot of good memories of some traditional Polish dishes like pierogies, like comfort food. But it's not necessarily my first taste. I mean, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> it's okay. The most underrated ingredient for you. Oh, that's a good one. It's not underrated, but it's humble. But potatoes, I mean, there's so many different kinds of potatoes. And then like, come to find out the potatoes are really healthy and uh, they're not bad for you at all. And they've got all kinds of vitamins and minerals. And even though they have carbs, it's like, they're also so nutritious. So I think potatoes and just like the variety of ways that you can prepare them is just like pretty awesome. And the most overrated ingredients. Nothing is overrated. I love all food. <laughs> <laughs> overrated well there's all these trends you know like with different vegetables but what's like or, you or know a protein it can be an over overrated protein if you don't have to have one just no i like protein okay. i mean the thing i was thinking of you know how things come in things are like trendy like how like kale got really trendy i personally love kale but i only like one type of kale last and not only but lacinato kale is my absolute favorite de like dinosaur kale and i just like don't like the red rushing all the frilly stuff so Maybe that's a little overrated. Okay. Best breakfast ever for you. Bacon. Pure bacon. <laughs> just just bacon. Okay. <laughs> bacon and like Sponsor fried bacon. egg. Bacon and okay. like a fried, like a like a drippy egg. So okay. simple. So good. <laughs> but more bacon than a normal person would consider a reasonable serving. <laughs> would you do turkey bacon or have to, or it has to be the real deal? No. Okay. I mean I would eat turkey bacon, but that would not be my best breakfast. No, okay. regular bacon. <laughs> what what's the I call the WTF combination? What's the strangest combination that you've seen people doing it? What do you mean, like food? Yeah, food wise. Because I've heard a lot. I've heard, you know, even the old ranch dressing with pizza. That's weird for me. But that's fine for me. I don't find anything weird. <laughs> Nothing is weird. Okay. I like <laughs> I it. Like all. it. I like it. <laughs> I, I would be fine with like ketchup on things. I'm fine with ranch on things. Yeah, it's all good for me. <laughs> so I already know the name of the podcast is Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. Do you think, have you been doing more turning chickens or breaking more dishes in your life or in your business? I think breaking dishes. And the only reason is because we've changed everything that we're doing in the past, you know, couple of months with COVID-19. So I feel like we're not experienced at anything, but we're just forging ahead and 
we're seeing some successes by like the grace of God or the universe or whatever, and just really thankful for it. Do you have any perspective or where do you want to see in five years your business to be? Yeah, I mean, I would love to see the salad share program continue and get to a level where we're thriving and we don't want to grow forever, but we want to reach enough people where I can provide opportunities for my staff to really grow and become grow in their farming careers. A big part of our mission is to really support and inspire the next generation of farmers. Um, as you probably know, farmers are aging out of the system. We got a lot of older farmers and they're not a lot of young people are choosing to go into farming. And I really believe that farming businesses need to be profitable and thriving in order to attract the best and brightest. And we really need the best and brightest to solve the agricultural problems, to innovate, try new things. So we try to attract really talented people like who are aiming to be like business leaders. They come from, you know, science and math and agriculture and marketing and arts, all kinds of creative people. So that's what I hope. I hope that we can grow the program enough that we can really get out of the bootstrap phase and get into the thriving phase. So this part, basically, since we're reaching the end here, in Portugal, normally, if you say someone to sell your fish, that means talk about yourself or talk about your business. So just tell people where, where they can find you, you know, all the socials and all of it, the orders that can, they can do it online. So just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, you can find us at littlewildthingsfarm.com. And that's where you can sign up for the salad share. The next salad share is the Equinox salad share, which is going to be taking us through the transition of seasons from summer till fall. And each salad share program is eight weeks long. So you sign up for the program in advance and you sign up for the eight weeks of greens delivered to your home. You can also place one-time orders on our website. So you can pick them up at the farm or we offer delivery in DC every Friday. You can find all that information on our website. You can also follow us on Instagram at Little Wild Things Farm. That's kind of our main platform. We like to share a lot of photos and video of what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. You can meet our team of farmers. We're an all-woman team of farmers, which is a fun fact. So yeah, check us out at littlewildthingsfarm.com or Instagram at littlewildthingsfarm. Well, Mary, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I think you have a great story just because you were hit, like you even said before, with the COVID-19 and you found a way to turn things around and your product is amazing. And I just wish all the best for you. Well, thank you for having me. This was really fun. And um, I hope we can talk again soon. Thank you very much for listening to the episode. Please don't forget to subscribe, leave a review. I only accept five stars, by the way. Tell all your friends about the chickens we are turning and the dishes we are breaking. Follow me on Instagram at Turning Chickens Breaking Dishes, on the Facebook page Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. If you have any questions, you can send an email to info at turningchickensandbreakingdishes.com. See you next time. Adios.